We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Let's pray. So, Father, you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever. And we are thankful. We put our hope in you. Lord, help us to identify where we've strayed, where we've hoped in other things, where we've loved other things, where the idols of our hearts have have chased after different kinds of things to hope in or put our faith or peace or whatever. We just, we ask you now, would you bring us back? And we thank you that you welcome us, that you draw us near and you are kind to us. So we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, kids, it is great to hear you sing, and uh, we're just so proud of you, how you've done such a great job joining us and and, uh, being with us. Uh, Would you please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5? We'll be in verses 12 through 21. While you're going there, um, I will say that uh, this week was a great week for us. Uh, I turned 40 years old. Isn't that wild? Oh, man. Everything started hurting. And um, my first day as 40, I forgot my phone. Um, And I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was like, oh, no. This is how it's going to be over the hill. I just forget stuff. And guess what? I forgot to light the hope candle. Can you believe that? Kicking off the Advent deal, and the 40-year-old pastor forgets to light the candle. So um, let's, will you just, you know, ride with me here for a sec? We're going to light our first one, which is the hope candle. It's the shortest one on the stand. And I almost got it. And look at that. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's not right. This one's right. Talk about talk about a mess here. This one's next week. That was like a little precursor. Okay, that's the hope candle. Thanks for being so patient with your pastor. I just love you guys. All right, are we ready to get started? Romans 5 is a great passage. The Lord met me with this passage this week, and I am, uh, I'm excited to uh, welcome you into this um, with me. And so um, I just pray that it'll be a, a great blessing to you. Um, if, if you know me by now, um, we've been together for two, three years, you know that um, I love jokes. And with regards to my particular sense of humor, I especially... Um, and drawn to dry humor, right? Like I just, I just love it. Like for instance, when um, when my father-in-law used to joke around uh, when when the when all the family was in town, 
he would be like, oh, all my favorite people are here and my son-in-laws, right? Like that kind of humor just like makes me and everyone feel just a little bit on edge or awkward. I like, I kind of really like that, you know? Um, and uh, lately I've been really liking the humor that um, reduces all of humanity to two kinds of people. Do you guys know those jokes that I'm talking about? Like, uh, for instance, there's Cincinnatians would say there's two kinds of people in this world, those who like skyline chili and those who are wrong, you know? And it's like, I know that kind of joke. It's like, <laughs> wait a second, is that, you know? Like, I like that. It's kind of the, or um, for instance, there's two kinds of people in this world is on the, uh, just uh, reviewing from last week. There's two kinds of people in this world, those who like black licorice and those who are in sin, right? Isn't that the truth? I don't know about that, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, um, here's a classic one. This one's for real. There are two kinds of people in this world, those who shower before work and those who shower after work. That's kind of true, isn't it, right? Yeah, well... This text this morning, Romans 5, Paul, uh, Paul says there's basically two kinds of people in this world. Um, but in this text, this is no joke. Um, and so he talks about those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. Okay? And to help us remember this passage, um, I, I, I grabbed two umbrellas. And uh, kids, hopefully when you're like 20 or 30 or 40 years old and you return back to, just a minute, when you return back to this text, you'd be like, oh, I remember a long time ago when my pastor taught me what it meant to be in Adam, okay? So when we talk about in Adam, if you want to like draw pictures or like just remember this, when a person is in Adam, that means that they are under the realm or reign or rule of sin. Okay? Everyone who is in Adam uh, experienced a physical birth, meaning you're a human. You were born into the world and you received, you received the sin of Adam, the curse of Adam. And you struggle with, or you, 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 you love and you live under the reign of sin. And kids, if you're taking notes, reign not, not being R-A-I-N, but reign. It's a kingdom term. Reign would be R-E-I-G-N. Reign. Like, it has dominion over you. Power. It rules over you. And then the other part... The other portion that this text talks about is, wait for it, come on, I didn't give this a text or a, a test, so here we go. The other part, this is a bigger one, is in Christ, okay? So there's two kinds of people in this world. Either you are a non-Christian, you are still in Adam, or if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have transferred over into a new dominion. You have a new king a new ruler, and the, the reign that is over you is now one of grace. And in this text, the advantage or the beauty 
of living under the reign of Christ is that you have something now that helps you fight sin. And it's called grace. And this grace is more powerful than your sin. It enables you. It helps you to cherish Jesus over anything else in this world. And so if you want to remember this, it's you are either in Adam or you are in Christ. But the purpose of this sermon is not to go, well, which one are you? All right, let's pray and get out of here. But it's to create a heart of compassion for those who are in Christ. A heart of understanding. But also, it helps you cherish Jesus and fight your sin more. It's not just to check your box. But this text will help you love God and love others more. Are you with me? Okay, so let's start. We're in verse 12. The title of this sermon is Grace is More. Grace is More. And the main message that we're sending, or we say timeless truth in this church, is that those who are in Christ have grace that is more powerful than sin. Okay? Let's start in verse 12. This is in the context of salvation, where Paul now brings in Adam to help display the work of God through Jesus in salvation. And he's saying, hey... Adam brought sin and death. Christ brought life and righteousness. Let me read verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So the Puritans, which we say Puritans, but way back then, uh, now we call them the pilgrims, which is fitting for just coming off of Thanksgiving. The Puritans used to teach their children the ABCs um, by way of biblical concepts. And they would start with A, and they would say, in Adam's fall, sinned we all. That's how the Puritan children learned the ABCs. And they would start with A. In Adam's fall, sinned we all. This is talking about the doctrine of original sin. And man, is it ugly. Like, look at the verbs in this passage. Like, let your eyes just follow me. Look at it. It's sin came in verse 12. And then follow it just a little bit after the comma. It says... It says that death spread. It's like gangrene. It just spread. Look at verse 14 with me. Death reigned. It was like this controlling, dominating force. And you're supposed to just hate it with me. God hates it. In the Bible, it says that we received sin and death when Adam sinned. It's not fair, is it? Right? But this is how God deals with humanity. We would say God deals with humanity um, federally. Like, he deals with all of mankind on behalf of one man. And as a result, we all follow suit. So since Adam sinned, the natural consequence of his sin is that we all sinned. All of humanity 
not just has sin or not just committed a sin, but it is our very identity and makeup. Even though we are made in the image of God, when Adam sinned, we are all sinful and separated from him. Sin and death reigns over you and it is in you. It's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. Look at verse 13. It says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. Which is a reference to, to uh, Exodus 20, um, the second book of our Bible, um, where God gave Moses the law written on those tablets, right? But even before then, even before Exodus 20, we see death happening. Like if you're familiar with the scriptures, some of these names might, might, uh, you might know, like Adam died, um, Seth died, uh, Enosh died all the way following the lineage to Enoch. And Enoch, guess what? Died. And even Methuselah and Noah died. These are all people before the law was given in Exodus 20. God gave the law so that humanity would know the difference between right and wrong. But then we hit the latter half of 13. And you got to ask the question like, well, what if someone doesn't know the law? Does it, does it count or does it apply or does it matter to them? Right? Like what if they're ignorant towards uh, the Ten Commandments? Um, for example, um, uh, in February of, of 2020, um, we ended the parenting class and a bunch of us fellas um, gathered out at a house um, in Clarksville where we uh, celebrated by eating meat and um, talking about what it means to parent our children in a godly way, right? And so I got in my car and um, being from, from Texas, um, my understanding of highways is a little bit different than perhaps the, the um, Ohio born and raised understanding of, of, of highways. And so like um, Texas is like the land of concrete. One year it got voted like the most confusing place to live with regards to driving. And there are highways everywhere and they're massive and they're like seven lanes. So that's my understanding of a highway. And highways, the speed limit is anywhere from 55 to like 75 in Texas, okay? So I am on my way out to this house and like I, I'm getting on this highway, which is called 22 and 3. Side note, what is that? Like, which one is it? Is it 22? Is it 3? Like, I know they combine, but like, just choose one, right? And so like, I'm on this two-lane quote-unquote highway, and so I, I start going 55, and in the rearview mirror, like, I see these lights, and I'm like, oh, no, I promise I have a good heart. I'm just going out to talk to other men about how to raise children in a godly manner. And I've got maybe like casserole. I can't even remember what I brought. I've got casserole in the back that's getting hot, cold. So anyways, the cop comes up to my window and, and he goes, Do you, did you know how fast you were going? And my answer was, yes, I was going 55 because I'm on a highway. Do you know the speed limit? No. 
So the key question would be, does my lack of knowledge prohibit the law to be applied to me? And the policeman didn't think so. He thought the law should be applied to me, even though I come from Texas and you're supposed to go 55 and higher. Isn't that crazy? But that's what verse 13b is saying. Even if you don't know the law, still you're condemned by it. Let me just read it for you so you see it. But sin is not counted where there is no law. So those who know the law and those who don't know the law are still in Adam. And sin and death reign in their mortal bodies. In, in seminary, one of my favorite professors, his name was John Hanna. And um, I just loved him so much. I remember him uh, teaching one class and saying that a society will fall when they stop believing one particular doctrine of Christianity. And, and that like perked all of our attention in this class. And he said, it's not the virgin birth. And it's not even um, your view or convictions about the end times. We would say eschatology, your, the theology or the study of the eschaton of the times that are coming still. He said it's the doctrine of original sin. Because if you can't understand that through one man you got something that you didn't deserve, you'll never be able to understand and embrace and cherish that through another man, through the person of Jesus Christ, you'll get grace, forgiveness, and love, even though you didn't deserve it. It's this one that our church has to embrace and cherish and be okay with. It will deepen our love for him and it will raise our worship for him. And so Paul says, in this sense, uh, Adam, or we would say the first Adam, the Adam married to Eve, um, he is a type. Let me read verse 14. It says, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. A type means like a pattern or a picture in the scriptures of someone who is to come and fulfill that picture. It's a model, right? And so Paul is going to make a model or a pattern out of Adam and link it to Christ now. How they're both federal heads. Through one man, you receive this. Through another man, you receive this. So just... Just a little review. Last time I checked, we're all human in here, which means that we were all born in Adam. We were all in sin and death. So what must I do to be in Adam? And what would you guys say? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And you didn't really have a choice in that, did you? You got to be born. You got to be born. You must, you must be born physically to be in Adam. Okay, but what about this? What must I do to be in Christ? From here to here, you must be spiritually reborn. 
You must be born again, John would say. But in the next verses, Paul is very, very careful not to just make cheap comparisons from Adam to Christ. He doesn't just flippantly go, well, Adam's like this, and so Jesus is kind of like this, and so there you go, boom. He's so careful and articulate. He uses these, these superlative words so that you will understand that it's not just a simple transfer, but it's so much more. It's so much better to be in Christ than to be with Adam because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were made. He holds all things together. He is the supreme one. And so you can't even compare anything or anyone to Jesus. And so Paul's going to say, it's, it's like this, but it's, hold on, it's not like this. Do you see, it? Do you see that? And so, so the first like, set of verses that we're going to talk about is we're going to say that, that those who have faith in Christ are in Christ, but here's how it's different, Paul says. First, just, just let your eyes go with me. Look at the middle of verse 15 with me. He says, much more, right? And then in the middle of 17, he goes, much more. <laughs> and then in the end of 20, he goes, the grace abounded all the more. So like, here's in Adam and here's in Christ, but don't get the message that it's the same thing or even like, it's so much more. And that's going to be important in a minute. And that's how the Lord met me this week in this text. Let me read all of 15 through 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God. And the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Verse 16. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Did you catch that in there? He really says two things that he says, it's actually not the same. It's different. Isn't that wild? He's saying, hey, it's, you're in Adam or in Christ and it's the same, but it's not the same. <laughs> Let's see the first one. The first not the same thing is grace. Circle the word grace in verse 15. The Greek word is charis. And I'm going to say three words about this, this word grace, all starting with A, okay? So the first one is that grace is an attitude of God. It's a, an attitude of God that is revealed to the undeserving. It's how God is. It's God's unmerited favor shown to sinners. So we who are sinful. And prior to Christ, we were shaking our fists at God. 
God loved us and that while we were yet sinners, that He sent His Son and redeemed us by His Son's death on the cross. We were purchased. This, this is God's favor, His love, His, his kindness, his, his mercy, His generous love for us. But it's not just God's attitude towards us. It's His action towards us. Right? So Romans 3, 24, we studied this earlier, says that we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So for Paul, grace is the essence of the gospel. It's God sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to save sinners. And this is His sacrificial death where he satisfied the wrath of God and paid for sin. All right? It's not just God's attitude, and it's not his action towards us, but grace is actually his like agenda. And forgive me for trying to be like, like A, A, and A, but I'm just trying to communicate it to you. Like We, as believers, are promised sanctification. Like God gives us grace and promises that we will grow in Him. He doesn't leave us alone, say, figure it out on, on your own. He gives us grace in the person and work of Jesus Christ to work in us. Romans, the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. Like, this is a big deal. It's not just some theological, like, niceties that you have grace and grace is better it's more than being an adam it's so it's different grace different the next thing that is different justification so verse 16 look at it with me this free gift it's not like the result of one man's sin namely adam okay because the judgment following Adam's one trespass, it brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. You would think, like, isn't that kind of like it? Like, I don't get it. But Paul's saying it's not like it. <laughs> because he's emphasizing it's just more. It's more powerful. Let's go to the similarities. Let's go to the similarities. Let me just illustrate justification really quick, though. Okay? So justification. Um, earlier in 2020, um, we brought a, a, a girl into our home named Aubrey. Many of you met her. Um, she was in our church uh, in Texas. And uh, she, had, uh, she was in, studying in her master's. She was getting her her degree in uh, physical therapy, and she needed a, a six-week internship. And we're like, come on up here and just live in our basement. It'd be awesome, right? And get your internship at the Y, and it was great. So, like, she got the internship. She stayed in our basement. And um, and we went to the Y, and we're like, it would be awesome if, if Aubrey could, like, work out at the Y for these six weeks. And so 
we went to the front desk and we said, hey, um, Aubrey is here for six weeks. Uh, what should she do? Like, can she get a membership here? Um, and, and they're like, well, yeah. And I was like, well, can she like, can she get a free membership? And they're like, no, no, okay. But she's like, just with us though. And, and, and the lady was like, what do you mean? She, well, she's not a part of our family. And I'm not trying to like just get a free membership, but isn't there some deal where like, if she's a part of our family, then she gets, I don't know. what. It, and, and they said, well, is she living with you? We're like, yeah. So she's under your roof. She's under your household. And I said, yes. She is living with us for six weeks. And I declare, I didn't say that, but this is better for the illustration. I declare that she is in my household. And they went, done. And they gave her a free pass. And at that moment, she was Newman, even though she didn't have her last name, Newman member number seven. And that's how it works with God. That God declared you. He like, he, he justified you. And because of his action and attitude towards you, you were brought into the family. And now you are within and under the household of God. In Christ, the similarities. This is 18 to 19. Therefore, let your eyes just find the similarities. As one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So look at those similarities. One trespass, which is Adam's sin, brought death. One act of righteousness, which is the cross of Christ, brought life. One man's disobedience, death. One man's obedience, life. Um, let's spend some time in 19 together, okay? Since Adam is a type, we can learn a lot about him and how Jesus is the antitype, the opposite of Adam, right? So for example, like how Adam cowered in the garden when there was a sacrifice being made and he ran from the garden. Like now we can understand Jesus in glory in how he was nothing like Adam. Like Jesus, he was the sacrifice and he ran to be a sacrifice. Like the first Adam brought death and disaster from the garden. But what we say now is the last Adam, Jesus, he brought life by bowing down in a garden and submitting his will to the Father in obedience so that we, the people of God, would return to the garden one day. In Adam, the whole human race is guilty. But in Christ, who is our head, our head of a new spiritual race, and all who unite themselves in him, 
they are counted innocent. It's like it, but so much more. Look at that word, made righteous. We've seen this before. We've studied this before. The whole book of Romans we're talking about is the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ to all who believe. And here we see again that we were made righteous. A little Greek lesson for you today. Uh, this is the word katahistomai, okay? Kata and then histomai, which you might recognize histomai like, oh, yeah, 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 I have allergies and I take anti antihistamines, right? Which uh, uh, antihistamines are meant to fight against or to stand against the allergies. And we who live in the Miami, the Miami River Valley experience many allergies, yes? <laughs> to, to be made righteous, to be made katahistomai, is where God himself declares and stands for you and against sin, against sin. He fights for you and he gets something he, down to be authoritatively declared. Some versions and some meanings say that, that this word is like to etch something down in stone so that it stays forever. So to be made righteous, to etch it down authoritatively. Which means that if you are justified, friends, one day when you die and you're with him, that he's not going to go like this. Mike Newman? Oh, man. I got like 1,200. Oh, no. Okay. Okay, what address are you on? what he did to you. Well, what, does that, what does that do? What does that do to the believer? What are its effects? Let's close our time with verses 20 and 21. I'm going to teach you something that I want you to hold on to. And we're going we're gonna to give it a funny name so that you can remember it. So like a year from now, you can, you can still know this term. Okay, uh, this, this is called an a fortiori term, okay? A fortiori, A space, F-O-R-T-I-O-R-I. It's a term of reasoning, okay? It's a, a term that logically um, comes to a certain decision. Um, it, the, 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 the definition is that it's more certain than the other. So if one is true and the other is true, it doesn't negate the first one. An a fortiori argument would be like, well, this is true, but this is so much more true <laughs> if there is a thing. And there is. It kind of, kids, it kind of goes like this, okay? Like, 
Do you think your mom and dad like disciplining you? They don't. They don't. I mean, when it was time for me to get disciplined, I'm sure you've heard this phrase before, it would be like, Mike, this hurts me more than it hurts you, right? They don't delight in the discipline, but they're faithful because they love you, and so they discipline you. And that's what God does. And this, So in Adam, this is true. This is true. But in parenting, wouldn't it be so much more true and better and, and for, to have you understand that if your parents are faithful to discipline you, to do something that they don't like necessarily, so much more, won't they just love taking you out for ice cream? I mean, won't they just love spending time with you and doing something that they would love and cherish to express their great like, and deep love for you? And so while, while this is true that they discipline you, ah, for sure, for sure, this is so much more true. They're going to do this for you, not to the neglect of this one. And so it is true that Adam brought death and sin into this world. Are you sure of that? But Paul goes out of his way to talk about how much more that grace is. How much more you get. And how much more powerful grace is when you are in Christ. This is the advantage or the beauty of being in Christ. You get the grace that is more powerful than your sin. Let's read verse 20 together. This has been the very lifeblood of Christians throughout the age. Listen to this. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Even though we were sinners, You can take any sin that you're struggling with and run to God. And you can ask Him to provide the grace to beat that sin. That's how it works. That's how you can walk with God. Right? So this week, like, you can write on the top of your journal, like, my ah for sure prayer. Do it. I know it'll be awesome. Do it, right? And you can be like, like this. This is this is I know that my sin of anger is great. But I know that your grace is greater. And so I'm praying that it would abound more. And God met me there this week. He met me in my tendency to get angry. This verse. So this is our prayer. We got a little slide for you here. So you can write it down and you can pray and you can God with it. It says, Lord, my sin of blank is great. And go ahead and acknowledge it to God. My sin is great. Would your grace be more? And that's not a question of, I wonder if it's going to be. It is. It will be. That's how you can stand on the promises of God. That's the struggle of the Christian life. You can press into him and trust him that he's going to meet you where you are.
So in closing, if you're here, if you're still in Adam, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of your unrighteousness, you can know God by placing your faith and trust in Jesus, depending on him to save you from your sins. And if you do, he will cleanse you from your unrighteousness and make you and give you righteousness. Theologians call it imputed righteousness. He gives it to you. And if you are still in Adam, this text right here should woo you to Christ. You should be like, I want that because I can't do it on my own. I can't beat this sin. And I've tried for years and I need something more powerful than me. I need something outside of myself to come in to fight. It's not just something distant, something out there. That's all other world religion, religions. He draws near if you draw near to him. Amen? So this passage, it calls you out of your condition of being an Adam. And it places you in a new realm, a new reign. It gives you a new ruler called Christ. And he gives you grace. So come to Christ. And believer, I'm going to quote John Stott here, and I'd love for you to write this down. It says, God is superior to men, grace to sin, and life, God's free gift, to death, sin's wage. Meditate on that. Memorize it. And as you go into your week this week, trust him with your deepest secrets, your darkest sins, and ask him to provide grace that is more powerful and watch him work in your life. Let's pray. That's our prayer this week, God. We're pressing into you. And we want to be a people that follows hard after you. Lord, would you would you fulfill and, and stand and be true to your promises? We know you will. You always have been. The particular promise that we're leaning into this week is that your grace is more powerful. It abounds. And so would you help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to identify our struggles, our weaknesses, our sins? And we pray for the grace. And so let's, as a church, let's just be quiet before him and allow this, this passage, this message to travel the 18 inches from our head to our hearts. Respond in prayer. Ask the Lord to surface things in your life. And after a few minutes, we'll close in song. If you need any prayers, we'd love for you to stay after. We'll wait a little bit to break down the chairs. And we want you to walk with him this week. Let's go to him.